Well, hello, I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancers. Good to have all of you out there. Got a great show for you today. I want to start off with, um, I don't know if this is good news. Um, it's good news to me. Anybody who's talking about changing big tech has got my vote. Um, but today, Representative Jim Jordan uh, subpoenaed big tech leaders to start talking about censorship and some of the things that went on over the last couple of years in our country. And as a guy who is right now sitting under their censorship of the FB gods, um, and that's a small G, by the way, um, I, I, will, I will sit by and watch whatever happens and be a, a, a huge part of making this change. I am so sick of the censorship going on right now and the garbage and the fact that that we can't talk about things, we can't ask questions. So, so here I, I'm going to get on a little bit of a tangent, and you're just going to have to bear with me. Um, today, I hear a report on the news, the, the the regular legacy news, that heart attacks, deaths from people 24 to 44 are up 30 percent, 30 percent. And they asked the, the expert on CBS News on the radio, so I don't know who, who they were, what do you think's causing this? And they, they said, well, a lot of those people, those younger people, weren't getting the um, as early as the older people, so that could be part of it. And the other reason could be that younger people weren't doing that. Really? There's, there's not another question on the, on the tip of your tongue that you might possibly think about asking? Not one, not one question comes to mind. None. Really? And the journalist, as a former journalist, the question's right there and nobody asks it. Could there be another reason that's all I'm asking. And yet we can't ask that. And as you notice, I'm not saying it on here because we have a, we might as well be in China or Russia right now because these people are watching what we're saying. I, I, I'm not talking about overthrowing the government. I'm talking about having a conversation so that we can prevent this from ever happening again. So anyway, I hope that this, this calling these people to on the carpet and getting the truth out will finally do something. Now, here's the other thing we're going to talk about tonight. I have a guest that's coming on. I had uh, Ann Vandersteel on a few weeks ago talking about becoming uh, nationals. Um, this is your, your reclaiming, denouncing your citizenship and kind of how that worked. Got a lot of calls from people because there's another move afoot called the State General Jural Assembly. And so Artie Mitchell, uh, an Oregonian, uh, is my expert on this. He's going to come on and explain to us what that means, where they're at, and what the difference between the two is, plus a lot more little stuff. But another thing happened today, and a lot of you Oregonians are going to be interested, and Idahoans, you're going to be interested too. The Idaho legislature, the House, passed a bill today to push the greater Idaho movement ahead. So this is a big deal. This is like now it's going to take it to the Senate. And if the Senate agrees, then this will go to Oregon leaders 
who don't want to talk about this, but I think they're going to have to because we, the people, are saying we want to have this conversation to change the boundaries for Oregon so that the people who are being ignored and have been for the last 30 or 40 years can start to have a voice in their government again. That's what they want. They don't want to leave Oregon. They don't want to leave their homes where their families have lived for generations. What they want is a voice in their government. And Oregon isn't listening, and Idaho will. So that could be a big deal. Yes, there's a lot of hurdles, but we're going to talk with those folks right now about what happened today, and then we'll be back with more um, on this, uh, our other topic for the night. So here's the interview we did this afternoon. So representing um, Idaho right now, Representative Judy Boyle of the 9th District joins us. And then Matt McCaw from Greater Idaho Movement. This is kind of a big day for you, huh, Matt? It is, Rick. We've been, uh, you know, we've been pursuing this for over two years, going around to people in Eastern Oregon and asking them um, if they want their elected leaders to look into moving the borders. So this is a huge deal for us. Um, this is a first step in, in many steps, but it's a big step. And, and it's a step that we got to take to get this uh, conversation going. So Representative Boyle, what, what happened today in the Idaho legislature that uh, Matt and his supporters are so excited about? Well, they've been trying for two years to get a resolution through at least one chamber over here, and we finally did it today in the House. So what does this mean in terms of Idaho? What, what's the process for you guys? Um, well, this is a memorial just saying, you know, we agree to meet with the Oregon legislators to start the discussions about Greater Idaho. Now, do you have to then, this has to go to the Senate as well? Correct. It does not have to be signed by the governor, though, because it's not a formal bill. It's, memorials and resolutions are just between the two bodies. So do you think that the Senate's going to sign it? Well, it depends on how good these guys have lobbied them. So, Matt, what are you thinking? What is what are your numbers counts? What are you looking at? Well, I, I don't know that we have a specific numbers count yet. You know, Rick, we have a proposal that's a, a solution to a longstanding problem. And, and the, the beauty of our proposal and the reason why people latch on to it is that it's a win-win uh, for everybody involved. It's a win for Idahoans. It's a win for Western Oregonians. It's a win for Eastern Oregonians. So we're confident that if uh, you know we can get in front of people and actually explain uh, what we're trying to do and why it makes sense for everybody, that people get it and they they agree and they say yeah i do see why this makes sense um and uh, and and we saw that in the idaho house and i want to thank representative boyle for um all the work she did to move this forward um and uh, so yeah we are confident that um we can move this so representative boyle why is this an advantage for idahoans well there's quite a few reasons um i live right on the border my district borders oregon so number one for me are the drugs. Once they legalized just about every drug, our poor towns that are right just over the bridge have been just swamped with illegal drugs and really? all the crime problems that come with those. So wow. I would love to move that all the way back over to Salem and let them just enjoy the misery. Uh, you know, I don't think people think about that. When, when Oregon passed Measure 114, or 110, excuse me, 
114 is another problem, but 110, <laughs> that really, that, that impacts all the borders along Idaho, California, Washington. So you've really seen an increase in drug use and that kind of thing there. It is tremendous. You know, and I work with our sheriffs all the time. It's incredible what has happened. All kinds so, of property crimes and automobile theft, wrecks, just drugged out people. It's terrible. So in terms of, I mean, you guys are getting inundated with people from all over the country, but especially from Oregon moving there. How would this greater Idaho idea um, help that situation because you said Boise is just I mean uh, uh, it's like turning into Portland well all of Idaho we are just full of of newcomers you know we welcome people into Idaho I can certainly understand why they want to move here but this greater Idaho would allow Oregonians at least to stay in their homes you know, some of them have been there for generations. They don't want to pull up roots and come over here and have to start all over again. So they could stay there. That would relieve us a lot. And then other people from the other states that want to move into Idaho could move into that part of Oregon. That would what be is, greater Idaho. Economically, how is this a benefit for you guys, for Idaho? Well, the study showed about 175,000 or 175 million additional dollars coming to Idaho. So that would be um, a plus for us. Um, plus the 300 and what is it? 85,000 people. When you add it to our 1.8, we would probably get another congressional seat. So that's a plus. And, These and people could live under our laws instead of the oppressive laws of Oregon as well. Wow. I didn't and, have to say it. You did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and if I could jump in there, one of the things, you know, so what Representative Boyle was uh, referencing was um, the Claremont Institute uh, commissioned a, an economic study. And, and this was done. They started this process like over a year ago, but it just came out in the last week. And it showed that adding Eastern Oregon to Idaho would be a benefit to Idaho uh, economically and tax wise. And it would also be a huge benefit to Eastern Oregonians. So the projections are that the, the Eastern Oregon economies getting out from Oregon regulation, Oregon policy, Oregon tax policy, getting into Idaho, um, a much more business friendly environment, that the economies in Eastern Oregon would surge. It'd be good for Eastern Oregonians. It'd be good for Idahoans. And be good for Western Oregonians because they could keep more of their tax dollars at home. Again, it's a win-win for everybody involved. Okay, but now how do you guys convince your congressional people, um, especially not so much Idaho, I guess, Representative Boyle, but in terms of you, Matt, um, you know, Wyden's already said, I we don't want to let this go. It's, it's almost like a stat, like it, it's almost like kids on the playground. We feel like we're losing land. So we're, we're going to, you, you're not going to change our Oregon when it's, you know, how, how do you address that? Well, so a couple ways. We already talked about the economic benefit. So so Western Oregon, because Western Oregon's tax structure and, and the way the west side of the state is wealthier than the east side of the state, there ends up being a subsidy that comes from Western Oregon to Eastern Oregon, which wouldn't need to happen if Eastern Oregon were part of Idaho. And it wouldn't need to happen from Idaho to Eastern Oregon because Eastern Oregon counties are very similar income level wise and, and economically as Idaho. So there's that benefit to Western Oregon of letting us go 
Western Oregon has policy uh, or problems that are specific to Western Oregon. You know, we don't have the same issues out here that they have there. They would love to keep those tax dollars there and, and use them for the problems they've got that are specific to them. And then just also, Rick, you know, there's been polling done in all these places. So th there's been polling done in Idaho where they asked people, you know, would you like to add Eastern Oregon counties that vote like you and are economically beneficial? And, and people responded in those pollings over two to one. Yes, we would like to do that. There's been polling done in Northwest Oregon that says, would you be willing to have a conversation about uh, letting Eastern Oregon go and joining Idaho? 68% of respondents said that we should have that conversation. The people in both states get Eastern Oregon is much more like Idaho than we right. are Western Oregon. Doesn't really make any sense. If you were drawing state boundaries today, you'd never put Eastern Oregon as part of Oregon. You'd put them with Idaho because we're similar culturally, socially, politically, economically. Um, so the people want this to happen and have this conversation. So we're hoping that the elected leaders in Oregon will listen to the people, hear the people out, and see the benefits of, of moving this conversation forward. I remember when I did news stories and I'd go over to Eastern Oregon, most of the people in Jordan Valley and all those places like that, they, they shop in Boise anyway. I mean, even people in Burns, uh, a lot of them go over to Boise That's and they watch Boise television. They watch the news from Boise. They said, when I talked to them, they'd say, we don't even feel like we're part of Oregon, you know, um, let alone any of that. So Coos Bay is not in the mix, right? Right. So, so, it's important to remember a, a state line or a border is an imaginary line. It's a tool that we right. use to group similar peoples. We, we do this all the time. We redistrict every 10 years to group similar peoples, get them better representation. Um, so it's a tool that you can put wherever you want. Our initial proposals included Southwest Oregon because when we looked at the uh, way people vote, we thought that Southwest Oregon would want to be part of this. What we found when we actually went to the people directly and asked them was that Southwest Oregon isn't ready to be part of this conversation yet. The people in Eastern Oregon are responding to our ballot measures overwhelmingly saying, yes, we want our elected leaders to look at this. We want state governance from Idaho. Southwest Oregon wasn't there yet. So we redrew our proposal to include only those counties that really want to do this, really want to move forward. And, and if, oh, sorry, Rick, if Southwest Oregon wants to, you know, be included down the road after we get going on this, uh, then of course, we're going to be open to hearing what the people say, but we don't want to force anybody into something they don't want. That, that goes against the whole point of our movement, which is matching people to government that they want. Well, my first job in TV was in Coos Bay, and they're kind of an ignored port, uh, a deep water port, and they're ignored. And I bet you if they were part of Idaho, they would not be ignored. And Idaho would have a port of entry to the Pacific Ocean. That could be a really big deal if people, I would think people there need to think about that because um, Portland gets everything and Coos Bay is ignored. And it's like, you would not be ignored if you were part of the Idaho, greater Idaho movement. Um, Representative Boyle, last question though. Can you explain to people the difference between what, what this memorial is? So it's not, is it a bill then, or is it just something different than that? Okay, so we have three kinds of bills. Okay. Memorials and resolutions are basically the same thing. They don't go to the governor. They are the sense of the legislature. They're not a law. They just say, this is our policy. Okay. That's the difference. Perfect. Well. You guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us and coming on and talking about this, because I think uh, 
you know, as soon as I talked to Matt, I was like, okay, I got to get, I got to get Representative Boyle on here so we can talk about this. Cause everybody's always, well, I know who did they even want us? <laughs> well, now I think yeah. it's clear that, <laughs> that you're, you're, you're willing to at least go on a date and we'll see if this turns into a marriage later, but you know, it has to start at a dating process and now we're, you know, we're there. Exactly. All right. Thanks you both. I really appreciate your time today. Um, it was nice meeting you, Representative Boyle. I'm sure we'll be seeing nice you again. You. All right. Thanks see you later, guys. Uh -huh. Thank Bye you guys. so much. See you later. You know, one of the things I got out of that interview <clears throat> that I had never thought about is when Oregon approved Measure 110, you not only impacted our state and increased the fentanyl problems and all the drug problems that we already have and the homeless issues, you created problems for the border cities. Anything in eastern Washington, along the borders of Idaho. So when you vote for stuff like this, you're impacting other places, whether you know it or not. And they're suffering for the decisions of Oregonians who were basically tricked into voting for this legislation that is not panned out. The studies show it's not doing what they intended it to do. And yet you have a governor who continues to say it needs more time. Yeah, how many more people should die, Governor? That's what we wanna know. All right, we're gonna switch topic. I am on a roll tonight. I think that that the, the FB gods, little G, um, impacting me are making me just a little more ballsy today. So we had the, uh, uh, we talked about nationals and, and sovereignty and, and, and this kind of thing. And I realized after getting a bunch of phone calls and emails that there's a whole nother move and there's something else that we want to talk about. So I'm bringing on RD Mitchell. RD, thanks for being here. Thank you, Rick. And Artie is in Malala, uh, Oregon, uh, and uh, kind of a rural section of Oregon, but close to the valley. Uh, so tell me about what is the general, the state general general assembly movement and where are you guys at with this? Well, Rick, you know, you just got through with um, a program, a recording there, interview that really <clears throat> hits at the heart of the problem that we're facing, not just in Oregon, but nationwide. And that is that we have allowed we have allowed, allowed. generations have allowed our, ourselves to be taken over by a very corrupt government. And I, I, whether it's Idaho, Florida, you name it, any of the states in the United States of America, every single one of us have the same issue. We have had the Republic of the United States of America taken away from us. And we are literally at this moment as we speak, and for the last several, several decades, we have been, we have allowed a government that, by the way, in 2020, filed bankruptcy to rule us. We have a bank, we have allowed a bankrupt corporation to rule and govern us as the people of this country. And, and wasn't it designed? That it was supposed to be a government by the people and of the people and for the people. Ah, you're talking about how this nation was established. <laughs> yeah, and if you look at the, the 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 template that our forefathers established, um, they the, the thirteen colonies realized that they couldn't stand alone against the various threats that they faced. 
And they got together and formed what was called the first general jural assembly, Jamestown, 1619. And in that, convening with a delegate from each of the colonies, they came together and they formed, the result of that was they declared, they made declarations. And one of those declarations, uh, which is also acknowledged as and referred to as a divine document, is called the Declaration of Independence. Now, if I could just take a minute, uh -huh. I want to just read just a couple little parts of it, not the whole Declaration of Independence, but listen to this. Okay. All men are created, this is right out of the Declaration of Independence. We declare that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Some people will pronounce that unalienable. Our rights cannot be leaned, okay? Unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. According to the Declaration of Independence, written by the first General Jural Assembly, we are at birth. Born here in the United States, we are divine sovereign beings. It goes on to say, when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evidences a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. Now, that word defines, that word describes the government we've been under, literally, okay? And it goes on to say, it is our right, it is our duty to throw off such government. We therefore, as representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assemble. Wow, there's your general general assembly. Do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent. And we could go on with it. I'd encourage everybody, pick up, well, so, you so know, as you, as you, read the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Bottom line. R.D., as you're reading that, I'm thinking, you know what? That goes against the, the cultural narrative. What you were saying, that is totally against the cultural narrative right now. Yep. It's, it's they want us to be subservient to the government. Yes. Not the we are the government. And Rick, that's called a de facto government where the people literally are enslaved and to and are made to serve the government. When in fact, the de jure government, de jure is a term that means of the people, by the people, for the people. A de jure government is the government that our forefathers established for this country. You know, what was, what, you know what was the biggest mistake that our government made over the last couple of years? And we don't want to talk about what it was, but the dark time is I think we all saw all of a sudden went, uh-oh, this is how bad it is that we have no recourse. We have no voice. We can say nothing. We've allowed this. Apathy has allowed this to get too far. And, and now people, it seems like people are kind of starting to wake up to this. Well, and I, and I would take issue with we have no recourse. That's exactly 
That's exactly what they want you to believe. And that's why people are so easily sucked into a, a defraudulent, deceptive movement that says, oh, sign all these documents, renounce your U.S. national citizenship, and you will become sovereign. Then and that's, I, and that's, I, the nas- that's the national movement. That's, that's, national. that's the state national movement. Okay. And you what you have- also give up, what, what we didn't get to talk about when I interviewed um, Anne at the, on the show, it didn't get answered, but you do, you, you, what you give up is your vote. You don't get to vote. Oh, much more than that, Rick. You, you, you realize you give up all of the rights that you have. I just read some of them life, liberties, pursuit of how you are willfully surrendering when you fill out their documents, you willfully renounce your U.S. citizenship, your U.S. national status. Okay, so how, let's go on to the, that's the difference. So what are you guys doing? And tell them about November, that what, you, what, you're, what you're starting okay. to do. What's this move? It's, it's really a matter of us, because of the great, you, you kind of alert, allude, alluded to it, it that uh, we haven't stood up, we haven't stood up, we haven't stood up. What's the greatest hindrances to how we got here? How in the world did we get here? Yeah. And to me, there's there's three. If, if you want to go to, to tools that cabal, and I'm going to assume that your audience knows what I mean by cabal, I hope that's not going to get us in trouble. Uh, we'll find I, out. <laughs> DS, anybody know what that means? Uh, that the, the greatest enemy that we have is apathy. Right. Lethargy. Yeah. Here's the greatest. In my opinion, this is this is my opinion, is willful ignorance. Our refusal to find out why. Our refusal to find out what can be done. If, if a doctor came to you and said, you have cancer, are you going to just follow them blindly? Right. No, I didn't. I did, and I didn't. All right. And, and I get cancer patients all the time that said, hey, I've gone through chemo radiation for X amount of months, X amount of years, and I'm, I'm now in my third cycle, and it keeps coming back, and they come into me, and so far in the 17 years I've been back up here in Oregon, uh, I haven't lost a cancer patient. I'm going to tell you, I've treated hundreds that were sent home on hospice to die. And that's another sidetrack we won't get into tonight. But okay. answering your question. So how do we, people of Oregon, people of Montana, people of Idaho, I don't care what state you're in. We are the United States of America. We commonly right. face this problem the way we restore this country to a republic of the United States for America is we establish the de jure government. Now, what does that look like? November 12th of last year, we formed the General Juror Assembly for Oregon. This process is being done in multiple states as we speak, establishing the General Juror Assembly for each state. And then the challenge is, going from county to county. I believe, though we're only required by the Constitution to have a quorum of counties, I've said from the beginning of this, uh, we need to have 
everyone in this state represented. And that means every, every county, county, every county establishes a, a what we call petite general jural assembly, a smaller one, okay, than the state general jural assembly. I want to remind everybody that when we are restored to a republic of the United States of America, your highest level of uh, of government in in the sense of lawmaking is the county. Is the county? Is that the your board county. of the county board of commissioners? Is that what you're talking about? That the petite general general assembly will replace county commissioners. Oh, okay. And realize people from within the county. Oh, my little city wants to send me to the to the petite general general assembly and and share with the county general general assembly what our needs are here in this city. How much closer do you need to get right to having people that are like minded people that are sensitive to your needs than on a city and county level? And then the counties will elect delegates and statesmen. That's the terms in the de jure government instead of de facto being state, uh, being senators and congressmen. So, R.D., how do you how do you keep this from becoming like a right wing, just a right wing nut job thing? Because um, there's three requirements. Actually, there's four, four requirements to being a part of an assembly, whether you're talking about the state level or you're talking about the county level number one you have to be born in the united states why because that makes you divinely sovereign independent free individual man or woman so your first requirement have to be born in the united states second requirement now let me speak of just oregon at the moment okay this is, this this applies to every state so then the second thing is I have to be a resident of Oregon for over 12, 12 months. For the last 12 months, I've got to be a, a resident of, of my state. Okay. Thirdly, I cannot be a state national nor apply to be a state national. And there's a very specific reason for that. As a state national, I don't really want to camp on state national, but it, it's, it's an integral part of this process because... If you're a state national, you in that process have renounced your U.S. American status. You have no voting rights. Right. So you are a person without a country. You don't have a say in what happens in this country anymore. And what's the fourth? The fourth is you cannot have been a lawyer, state bar, because look at what they pledge as being a state bar attorney. They pledge their allegiance to the crown and you cannot have been a politician previously. So how do you, you have this system set up and you've got county commissioners who are being paid and county government. And how does a bunch of people with, the, with this idea really make this happen? You know what I mean? How do you go in and you know, you're, you're tromping on decades and decades of of status quo how it's always been done how do you get the, enough and, and you're and you say um 
that apathy is a big problem. And what I find is there's a lot of people willing to go, well, this is horrible. What are we going to do about it? When, when is somebody going to do anything? But, but, but when it comes to getting people to go to the church choir and participate, nobody wants to get in and sing. We need more, we need more altos in the choir, but none of the altos want to come in and be the part of the choir. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you have a choir without altos. Right. And that's, it's, it's somewhat, uh, in fact, it's quite a bit different. Uh, you, do you know that, uh, and, and I'll, I'll get to, to addressing that, because this is why I'm a stickler here in Oregon uh, as the speaker uh, for the General Jural Assembly, Oregon General Jural Assembly, um, and the moderator. I, I want every, I want every county, uh, forget the, the quorum, I want every county to have a voice. I want a representation from all the people in Oregon. And so as we establish, and again, we did, we did form the, uh, formally uh, formalize the Oregon General Juro Assembly in, on November 12th, as I mentioned earlier. And as we become a settled state, we literally have the ability to say to the commander in chief, of the United States for America, Mr. Commander-in-Chief, we need your help. Send your military and remove these criminals that are part of this illegal, bankrupt corporation, and they have to honor that declaration. But, R.D., we have right now um, an FBI and a, a DOJ that... They're not listening to both sides of the fence. I didn't going say off. No, I know it's not them, but how do you, I mean, that sounds great, but how do you really get that? Who's, if you don't have the American people on your side, who's going to really listen to you? I mean, you can say I have the right to do this, but I don't, I have the right to have my voice and, and go after Facebook, but that doesn't mean shit. Yeah, you know? and, and again, this is what this is the attitude that people have, but realize that, uh, and I will tell you that the Department of Naval Intelligence has gone to every single governor in this in this country, and they have put them on notice. If you mess with the General Jural Assembly or any members members of the General Jural Assembly, you will be arrested and you will be taken to a huh. foreign country that's a little island called Gitmo. That comes straight from the Department of, uh, of Naval Intelligence. Huh. Now, again, once a quorum of states in the United States is settled, in other words, we have our counties, we are settled, we will have a convening of delegates from each state that have been put there by the people of each state, and they will convene, and that will be called the National general general assembly and when they sit down together there's your colonies there's your 1916 <clears throat> gathering of the uh, of the representatives from the from the uh, from the colonies <clears throat> we will again be able to formalize a declaration which would take all of about an hour requesting the commander-in-chief of the military to step up, deploy the troops, clean out our states of all these corporate entities that are so, so illegal and complicit, 
complicit so, to so how, how, against humanity. So you said there's like 14 states doing the same thing Oregon has done about? There's 12 states that have already been formed. Uh, Alaska and Michigan were the first two. Uh, there's a great website, national-assembly.net. Okay. National-assembly.net. We so are forming a website here for Oregon. It should be up in a few days. Uh, but that's a great website. It's got tons of information, introductory video, uh, on and on. So realistically, how long would it take to get to that point, do you think? Well, that's, that's a great question. Uh, there's so many things that are happening. <clears throat> uh, so many things that are happening. Um, you know, there, there's different paths that could, uh, that this could this could go down to be accomplished, but the end result is this, Rick. The end result is this has to be done if we are going to have a government that is called a republic, that is a government of the people, by the people, for the people. This has to be done. This is the Constitution. This is the way the Constitution lays out that a government must be established. And when our republic was robbed from us and we became a corporation, and again, let me reaffirm, I've got the copies of the bankruptcy documents that the United States of America Corporation is bankrupt. And that bankruptcy has been finalized. And I don't know if you know, but if you continue to do business after you have filed bankruptcy, that's <laughs> criminal. Yeah. RD, again, um, to wrap up, where do people get a hold to find out more information? And um, I know somebody already sent me one for Montana. So there's groups in, in, in all these different states, in these 12 different states. This is, not, I, this is not one guy sitting in his office talking to you and I'm being, I'm just stirring up crap. This is happening all over the United States. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you something. Our failure to stand... Yeah. is why we're here. The success of us recovering our country to be a republic once again only takes, uh, you know, you don't have to have doctorates on the wall like I have behind me. You, all you need to do is be willing to stand. And uh, they can contact uh, us through the national-assembly.net or they can Contact me here um, at 503-490-4. Let me do this. Let me do this. Hold on. Okay. Read it again. 503. Okay, read it to me again. 503. 503-490-4279. That's my personal cell phone. I may be in trouble and, now that I've given that and, to you. <laughs> and do the website again, will you? Okay. The, the national-assembly.net. And then we will very shortly, it's in process, the site's up, but it's only got to, it's kind of under construction. We should have it done in about a week. It will be Oregon-general-assembly. Dash, 
assembly.com. Okay. I got those other two on there for you. Okay. RD, thank you for uh, coming on and taking your time to explain this to folks. Um, you know, I think the more, unlike what the uh, social media little G gods uh, think, I think the more information you have, the better decisions you make. And if people can, you know, if I want to explore everything from what Ann was talking about to what you're talking about, I want to know. It's, I'm not afraid of information. And it's funny how we've gotten to a place where if you say anything I disagree with, it's, it's false information and it's going to, you know, throw me up. It's all, we throw everything out. I think there's a lot of answers out there that we're missing because we're not paying attention. Well, and when you look at, Rick, when you look at, and I know we're probably at an end here, but when you look at how the U.S. code defines uh, a state national, uh, it defines it as a person, really, really key word, look that up in Ballantyne's 1930 dictionary, person, Article 21, Title 8, Chapter 12, Section 1101, defines a state national as a person owing permanent allegiance to the state. You go through this process, they put you right back through the back door of the corporation, which right. is bankrupt. Right. Okay. But the Ballantyne's definition of a person, I give, just give this to you, okay, is, is that... Let me read this to you. A human being by birth, but in some part resembling a lower animal, a monster, slave or servant that hath no inheritable blood and cannot be heir to land. You become a state national. Look, you can't, you can't have a U.S. passport. Right. Look on the application of a U.S. passport. There's two categories. U.S. national or a naturalized U.S. citizen. There is no, this is a made-up term. State national is a made-up term. It's nowhere in our founding documents. And the okay. definition, you consider yourself to be lower than an animal, a beast, a monster that has no right to own property. Does that not give you a question mark over your head? A little scratching <laughs> of the beard? Come RD, RD there's so much in the world right now that makes me scratch my beard. I'm surprised I have any left. You and me both, bro. Yeah. Hey, thank you for again for your time and for your information. We do appreciate it. God's mercy, grace, and favor on you, my friend. I thank will you. take it. Every bit of it. Thank All you. Right. All right, you guys. So there you go. Now, that was like what I really love to do. And we just need to get this attitude out of our face that there is a, a, a narrative that is the only way that's right. Because you guys, you never find answers on one side of a fence. You have to go back and forth and back and forth and all around. That's where you find the answers to things going on in this world. And um, so dig it. If this is something that is interesting to you that you need to know more about, there's your numbers on there. Um, I'll put them back on that screen and you can find out more about it. Check it out. Um, share this on your page. I will be posting it to Facebook tomorrow. Hopefully they'll leave it alone um, and uh, not mess with me. But at some point, you just have to stop worrying about it and you just have to move forward. And 
I don't necessarily agree with him. I don't necessarily agree with Anne. I am going to do some more research on my own. But you know what? I do believe that we should all have this information and access to it so we can make our own damn mind up, not some company or media giant or message from above or some administration telling us what we have to think. I will not do that. And I don't expect you to either. Um, go on YouTube when we're done and look up Aaron Lewis. Am I the only one? Go listen to that song and that'll get you fired up and ready to go. Um, Cause I think it's just going to get weirder and weirder. All right. That's it for tonight. Uh, for this episode tomorrow, uh, Robert from bait and tackle, uh, in, out of Charleston, Rob will be here. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, who knows what, and then Bill London will be here with your uh, news from Oregon. And he always uncovers things that nobody else is willing to talk about. That's what we do. What is get real with Rick dancer? It's getting real. And I just happen to be here and be your host. Um, but it's all about you, uh, getting real with yourself and figuring out what you want. Um, and, um, and then making that happen. All right. Thank God, please protect us. Keep us safe and keep the gods of Facebook away from me. Amen. <laughs>